Em, can you believe we are in our third season of Interview Boss? Not really. It's crazy. But that means there are over 90 episodes we've made. (gasps) Oh my God. Scrolling through all of our episode titles, you might miss an episode that actually is exactly what you're looking for. Yes, we get so many messages of people asking us to do an episode on something and we're like, we already have. So we've put together playlists to help you find the episodes that are best suited to you. If you're applying for jobs, we have episodes about resumes, cover letters and job ads. If you've been offered your dream job, we have episodes on resigning, exit interviews and how to impress at your new company. Yes, and we even have a playlist for if you have an interview like tomorrow and you need just our most recommended episodes, just the ones you really need between now and then. Exactly. It is all there for you. You can browse by category. Check out the playlist at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash podcast. That's the whole rejection thing. Just it's a myth. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Interview Boss. My name's Sarah, and I've teamed up with my sister Emma, the always witty radio journalist, to give you advice, inspiration, and support when you're looking for a new job. I'm an HR and recruitment professional, and together we're excited to give you guys all the tips, tricks, and behind the scenes knowledge to help you in your career. Friendly reminder if you have an interview coming up, check out my one-on-one sessions. You can find out all about them at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash coaching. And don't forget, if you liked one of our episodes, you used a tip we sent you, or you want to request an episode specifically about your situation or industry, slide into our DMs on Instagram, or even send us an email through our website. This week, I'm joined by a very special guest. Martin Herbst is a tech leader with 20 years of experience launching and scaling software as a service, e-commerce, online classifieds, and digital media businesses from startup mode to highly profitable enterprises across the globe. After 15 years at Gumtree, Martin has made the move to JobAdder, where he's now the CEO with the purpose to make recruitment more efficient and joyful for everyone. What a great mission. So welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us today, Martin. Thanks, Sarah. It's really good to be here. To kick us off, what is JobAdder and how does it fit into the recruitment process? JobAdder is recruitment software that a lot of agencies use. Like, you know, we're pretty popular among recruitment agencies, um, thousands actually here in Australia and abroad, New Zealand and the States and Canada and the UK. And essentially it's sort of, you know, behind the scenes. If you think about like, you know, as a job applicant, if you're to put your application in or you're trying to send over your CV for a job, this is all the tools and the software that a recruiter, whether they be at an actual agency or sometimes in-house actually at the company, are using to help bring in the applications, to help write the job ad, et cetera. And to really sort of do the whole workflow of recruitment from beginning to end. Trying to keep it all organized, right? And full disclaimer, I think I've actually got a video on the job at a website, a testimonial of um, using the, the oh. software um, because <laughs> I've definitely spent a lot of years using it in one of my previous roles and got a lot out of it. So I know it pretty well and I've used other recruitment systems. You're going to quiz me quite a bit then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know it pretty well. But 
What I wanted to understand is, unfortunately, on LinkedIn, there's a lot of clickbait articles, misinformation about what an applicant tracking system or an ATS recruitment software, however you want to say it, it's all kind of interchangeable, um, about what it actually does. And there are quote unquote experts um, who've never worked in recruitment recommending that you paste keywords in invisible text in your resume so that you don't get rejected by a robot or something like that. Have you seen any of these kind of statements out there about how these systems supposedly work? Yeah, I've heard a little bit about that. It's uh, it's come up here and there. It is pretty unfortunate because I think it's creating a lot of fear and uncertainty and doubt and, and maybe it's a way for them to get more attention um, and create a bit of paranoia in the system. Playing on job seekers' fears, really. Yeah, and so it's not that simple just to put keywords in white at the bottom or anything like that. It's really not going to help. It actually, if anything, would probably hurt because it kind of goes into essentially just being authentic in terms of understanding what the job is requiring, like what the, the job description is, and presenting yourself the most authentic way and also in a relevant way to that particular job and that particular role. So yeah, I haven't really seen any of that before. Actually, we haven't even come across, and we're talking to a product team a little bit, like have we even come across the sort of the, the, the sort of the keywords and we haven't really seen that. So I think what it comes down to is that there's a fear with tech, right? Like, you know, that hey, how do you game it? How do you sort of game it? There's a system, right? It's, it's conspiracy theory. Yeah, how do you beat it? And, you know, the thing with any technology, any good technology and recruitment technology, it's really an extension of human capability. So what it's trying to do is it just is providing a bit of superpower for the recruiter to, you know, actually try to increase the funnel as much as possible of good applicants and increase speed and quality of screening, right? So really would actually help identify those CVs and those resumes or the applications that are the most relevant. And you don't really need to game it. The whole rejection thing just is a complete myth. And so to clarify, so that there's no misunderstanding, does job ad out reject people without a human being involved? No, no. There we go, guys. You heard it straight from the system itself. It's absolutely not happening. And when you get a rejection email, there's someone on the other end of that that maybe did a multiple select and ticked a multiple select box to send that rejection email, but there was definitely a person um, on the other side of that. It's hard to hear sometimes, right? Yeah, and I would say too that keyword searching within um, an ATS or recruitment software is one way that you filter down the applications that you get. And it can get you to a shorter list, but there's so many other aspects and other sort of lenses that you can apply within the system um, and that you should be as a good recruiter, and you would know this, to really understand the full dimensions of that particular candidate. It's more than just a few, hey, you know, if you are essentially screening candidates and getting down to your shortlist, as long as they match a couple of keywords, and you're not really doing a good job as a recruiter. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And you're trying to find the best quality person, not just any person. So it's in everyone's best interest to go really through those applications the best way possible. I will say with keywords, it was helpful, you know, for things like, you know, I'd be recruiting a warehouse role, for example, where you need a particular type of forklift license. And so I might do a search for forklift license. But then you know that people write it differently on their resume. They might write LF license, which is another kind of way to say that. So yes, it might be helpful to make sure that you're using common terminology for the skills and the licenses that you do have. But having said that, I searched for a combination of all of the different ways that I'd ever seen it written because I didn't want to miss anyone because that's my role is to make sure that I'm finding the best people. Yeah, that's right. And I think what you said, common terminology really is about common sense, right? So 
if you are in the application process, if you're a job applicant and you're writing your CV or your application, then it just takes common sense in terms of what are the, the key skills that you've got. And then for a good recruiter, any good recruiter would think about as you're right, like, you know, what are the variations in that keyword? And actually the technology itself helps with that as well. You know, it's not a direct one-for-one -one matching. There are similar type of keywords, et cetera. So it creates a fairly wide net and that's the trick, right? create as wide as net as possible, but an um, accuracy as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what are things that you think it's important for a candidate to know when their application is going into an ATS? Again, I've seen people out there saying, check if your application's going into an ATS and then you send a completely different resume or you try and get around the system. What should people know if they know that the company they're applying to is using some kind of a system like JobAdder? What should they keep in mind? Maybe a couple of things. One is starting at the very beginning, don't be paranoid. The technology is going to reject you or to not include you. You, technology is, is built, particularly job adder, to be you know very very effective, right, and to be able to harness as much sort of you know quality sourcing as possible. So from an applicant perspective, like you know, it's really just, um, I mean, I think you'd have to. There's certain things, right? I guess certain things to be able to not do, which is like you know you don't want to send in like you know embedded images into, for instance, a CV. You know, it's really, but any kind of document, whether it's, you know, a Word doc or Google doc or even PDFs actually will work really well to be able to capture your, your information. So there's really not a whole lot that you have to remember. It's just, it's for a job. Obviously read the job description quite well, understand how the application process is. And then the ATS and recruit behind the ATS will use a lot of different tools and different things to be able to, you know, surface the right candidates. Yeah, and they'll be going through it. There's also the database element too, right? Where, And that can be a real benefit for candidates where after you've applied for one role, your information stays in that company's system and they're able to, depending on whether they take this approach or not, particularly for recruitment agencies, run searches in the future, maybe it might be six months from now, looking for a different set of skills than what they were last time. And your details might come up in their database and you've got that opportunity to stay as a part of their ecosystem beyond just the one application. Yeah, that's right. And it's and so important these days. And, you know, I, I love having actually this kind of podcast because you put, you know, sort of in the sort of the shoes or sort of like, you know, of the perspective of the applicant. We often always just think about the perspective of the recruiter and the hirer. And it's really important to, think, you know, have both sides of the equation. But from a recruiter perspective, I mean, if you're just relying on applications that are coming through, then you're really not doing a good job because, all those applicants that do come through, whether now for a job or from the past, those do all go into your database, right? And that's, you know, you should be talent pooling, you should be nurturing, like, you know, using the CRM to be able to create those relationships and those connections with you as an applicant, you know, whether it's not for a job right now, then for it's a job later. And that's a lot of things that we do on our side is just to help with that sort of database management that we call, you know, talent pooling. And integrations with things like Seek's um, candidate databases and LinkedIn's as well to be able to make it easier for the recruiter to do that. And I think if you get those calls from an agency that are just kind of checking in, hey, are you looking at the moment? They might ask you some information about, you know, your salary expectations and stuff. What they're most likely trying to do is kind of complete your profile a little bit more from what has been 
pulled from your CV. And again, that enables searching. So for example, what locations would you be interested in working? Would you ever relocate? No. Okay. So it's Sydney and Melbourne only. Those types of things will then enable you to come up for relevant stuff in the future. Oh, I'd be interested in this industry in the future. Okay, great. Well then those are the kind of tags and the pools that you can be put in. Yeah. And I could go on about this and you may have to reel me back in, but we started off talking about CVs and some of maybe the, the misperceptions or the myths around CVs and keywords, et cetera. And unfortunately, we still live with a CV as the main part of the recruitment process, but it's such a one-dimensional, you know, small piece of the process. Basically, it's an anachronistic artifact. You know, so you know, years ahead, you know, at some point, CVs will be more irrelevant, right? But that's why we have all those other things, right? Like, you know, that's why there's the relationship. That's why you get social profiles, whether it be LinkedIn, other social profiles, the connections and the conversations that you're having with a recruiter. Again, it's a good recruiter. It's cataloging that. It's creating that so, you know, you as a potential candidate in the future. And it's these sort of like living profiles, really, that are what's really important. And so, yeah, as an applicant, I think, you know, obviously apply to the roles that are the most relevant and craft your application, your CV in a way that's relevant and is authentic. But then, yeah, take the opportunity to actually create those relationships with those recruiters because, you know, they'll be your allies in the long run. Yeah. And you can absolutely say like, hey, I'm not interested at the moment, but if you had XYZ, which is my dream job, I'd be interested in a phone call. And those are the things that, hey, that might come up. It was a classic thing in recruitment where you're like, oh, we've got nothing for you now. And then three weeks later, you're going, oh, what was that person's name again? Because we have the perfect job for them suddenly. I didn't see coming. <laughs> and a good recruiter to that end would start those conversations with, hey, so you know, how are you going? And like, you know, what are you thinking about? Just trying to understand you as a person, like in a fuller sort of like three-dimensional view of what your interests are. Because, you know, if they're not just trying to fill the role right now, what could be the role in the future? Exactly. So recruiters on the other side of the process are often inundated with applications and they're managing 10, 15, 20 jobs at a time that they've got open, which is where a system comes in to help keep track of who's going where. While the system doesn't do the rejecting for them, we've cleared that up. What kind of features does JobAdder have? Can we give us our candidate, you know, our listeners an insight into what the tools are that they actually use to help them screen and go through the process? I think really you can start at just the creation of the job description itself. So it's, that comes from the hire, right? It comes from the company, the hiring manager, et cetera. And what JobBetter does is provides, you know, a lot of good structure and some templates and, you know, activity templates that help actually the right questions to that hiring manager, for example, to help actually fill out that brief. Like, what is this job description? What are you looking for? And then that good solid. And so, if you think about it, there's a saying in data, right? So garbage in, garbage out, right? So quality in, quality out. So that's really important, you know, in the beginning of the process to ask those right questions. And we have templates that can be customized, et cetera, to help manage those, like say, like, you know, all those jobs that are coming through to make sure that you've got the right kind of accurate information that then actually translates into an accurate job description that then translates into an actual job ad if that recruiter decides to advertise this. And whether it be on the website of the agency or the company or you know on Seek or, or what have you. So that whole process to begin with, and that's before we even get the applications in. And there's a whole slew of um, features that are available to, again, to help you know do the sourcing, do the screening, set up the interviews, screen the candidates, pass on the information 
to the hiring manager for review. And get the information back as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things. You kind of have these buckets set up for each role and you decide what those buckets are based on the process that you're looking to run with your hiring manager. So I used to have some hiring managers who'd say, I don't want to see the resume, Sarah. I trust you. Just book in some interviews. Just find some time in my calendar and I'll meet the people that you say are good, which is great. So it meant I spoke to them and then just booked them straight in. Other managers were like, no, no, I know what I'm looking for. So I want you to send me a short list and then I'll okay who I want to interview. So then you've set up your process for that job a little bit differently where you're then sharing them through job adder for the manager to say basically yes or no and give you some comments on that person's resume. For example, doesn't have enough experience in XYZ or has moved roles too many times or whatever their opinion happens to be. And rather than doing that by email, you're able to do that in the system. Yeah. And that's really important. We see so much more potential and opportunity there because, I mean, I've been a job adder now for just over a year and I came sort of tangentially from the recruitment space more in the online classified space. But I've been hiring people for a long time. I've been you know, in charge of companies or groups or teams where we've hired quite a bit. And there can be some frustrations to make sure that you're even on the same page with who you're looking for, what that job is all about, even with the hiring manager, your talent acquisition partner within the same company. Never mind, okay, the, how to communicate and be on the same page with the agency or the recruiter, the external recruiter that you're using. So, you know, where we're going, we have already some of this, as you just mentioned, is just that good collaborative kind of connections with the job adder system to be able to share that information across so you avoid Chinese whispers and misinformation, et cetera, and you can really be on the same page. Yeah. And I think that's what we try and do as well as with this podcast, kind of go through what happens behind the scenes. And sometimes, you know, a lot of the reasons you might not hear back, we've actually got an episode about reasons you might not hear back. And part of it is the conversations that are going on internally arguments, debates, even where maybe the manager's looking for someone who can walk in and just do the role. They've literally done it before. And the HR person or the recruiter is kind of like, well, we're not going to find the person like that. You're looking for something perfect. What about this person here who's only got this one gap? Maybe we could train them. And all these conversations are going on whilst someone's maybe waiting to hear back. Yeah. And I, and I can imagine you could have almost every single episode about something like that, right? Because <laughs> yeah. in the industry, we call it candidate care or candidate experience. And often there are really bad candidate experiences or poor candidate care. There is a lot going behind the scenes. And so why haven't I heard back? You know, where am I in the whole application process? And there are a lot of things that sort of prevent that from happening because it's getting aligned with the hiring manager and like, you know, the right kind of communication. But there is so much we can help with that. And then, you know, going forward, even acknowledgement that your application has been received or it's like, you know, it's being reviewed. I mean, there are things that we have to be able to send out those kind of triggered communications that should be taken advantage of by recruiters because, hey, I'd rather know as an applicant that at least my application has been looked at versus, you know, hear nothing at all. Yeah, absolutely. And you can set all of those up with automated emails and things. You know, when this happens or when I give them a ranking out of five or put them in this bucket, let the person know, which really, really helps with that whole candidate experience process. Even just the ability to, I send out emails like this all the time. The role's gone on hold for whatever reason. Maybe the manager's like suddenly had a family emergency, has gone on three weeks leave. Okay, well, we can't hire for this role right now. It's gone on hold. Being able to just mass email all of the candidates that are in that role, really helpful and means that it's more likely that they're going to hear from us rather than having to find everyone's email addresses and run like, what, a mail merge or something? I don't even know how you do that manually. <laughs> <laughs> 
cool. So outbound recruitment is something we talked about a little bit before in terms of database searching, being a bit proactive, but looking via LinkedIn is a huge part of the role for a modern recruiter and particularly in talent short markets, which we're seeing a lot more of in Australia. So JobAd has recently released some new features to help recruiters stay on top of that. Can you tell us a little bit about what are the problems that you're solving and what are the features? Yeah, I can. And I'd say first off that we recently had a, we call it a global recruitment report that we share a lot of data that we see across our platform across multiple countries. And what we've seen is that, you know, we're in unprecedented times, really like, you know, in terms of how tight things are in terms of candidate supply, because there are more and more jobs out there. There's a lot of hiring going on and there's limited, um, you know, supply on the candidate side with immigration and other things like that. So I would say like, you know, again, if you're listening to this podcast as an applicant, like there's no better time to apply for a job. You're in the powerful position. Negotiate that salary. <laughs> That's true. Very <laughs> powerful position. So um, if you do want to find a job, now's the time to apply. However, on the recruiter side, as you said, if you are a recruiter and you're just waiting for applications to come in from a couple job ads that you posted, then you're really not doing your job. And particularly now, good recruiters right now will be more proactive about sourcing with, you know, from LinkedIn and others. And so, again, a lot of what we do is, is just to make things easier and also more joyful, but you know, at the very least more efficient. And so what a recruiter would do is, you know, it spend a lot of time in a system like job adder, but then hop over to something like LinkedIn, grab information from there, and then maybe manually copy and paste it or type it into the job adder system. And that's really inefficient. And it's just, okay. And so what we've done is really simplify that, integrate the two systems. So it's all a seamless connection. So when you're, you know, thinking about the candidates, and again, it's like, as a recruiter, what you want to do is be able to, you know, really enrich your database of all the candidates out there, and whether get as much information as you can, whether straight from that candidate themselves, or from their LinkedIn profile, and then make sure like, you know, that all those notes are up to date. And so that's what the integration does. Yeah. So rather than trying to work out, okay, have they applied for that role, but I messaged them on LinkedIn and then, you know, three weeks later, they sent me an email. You're trying to coordinate, you know, when's the last time I spoke to this person and jumping back and forth between the two systems can be really confusing. Whereas from the candidate's perspective, they're only talking to the one person, the one company. They see all that communication as coming from the same place. So you don't want to be like re-reaching out to them on LinkedIn when they've already applied for the job and vice versa. That's right. Exactly. So we've got some really great insights, I think, into what goes on behind the scenes of a recruitment system. What's a piece of advice that you would give to candidates out there who want to understand what goes on behind the curtain, what goes on after their resume goes into the big black hole, it sometimes feels like? Yeah, what would you say? Well, I'd say um, don't overthink it. I mean, a lot of what we're doing in terms of applying or looking for roles is, is common sense. I'd say there's a few fundamentals to follow and it's I mean, one is always, you know, be true to yourself, right? So understand, you know, wherever you can, this is where you can have conversations, whether it be with the recruiters or your friends, et cetera. I used to do that too, even when looking for jobs in the past, like, you know, even get that outside perspective, like, you know, what makes me tick? What gets me excited? Like, you know, what are the things? And again, right now is exactly the time to be doing this because the opportunities out there are so immense. And so being true to yourself and understand like, you know, what's right for you and then calibrating your search based on that, the companies that excite you or the kinds of products or services that they're doing, et cetera. And then when you actually get into the application process and you're doing your own shortlisting, then it's, you know, just do your homework. So what that means is is understand about the company, do your research, check out the reviews, the ratings on Glassdoor, what have you. Look at the job ad very carefully and just um, see if it resonates, it gets you excited. And if you feel like there's a strong potential for your fit, don't undersell yourself. 
but also be realistic of whether or not you can do that. But, you know, go for it. And then um, don't overthink it in terms of like, you know, everything that you're going to do in terms of the application. It's just a simple CV, a couple pages. Don't worry. You know, we accept a lot more than, let's say, you know, a two-page Word document in Comic Sans. All kinds of formats. Don't worry about that. Yeah, and I think that's mostly it. Just do your homework. The, the extra that you can show that you've well, you've researched the company and why it actually matters to you, the more successful you're going to be. Those are the candidates who, when we look at applicants that come to job better, that really stand out too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something I like to try and communicate is you don't need to try and reinvent the wheel. People always think about how do I stand out? And there used to be that whole thing about printing your resume on yellow paper when you used to drop it in so that it stood out in amongst the thing. I think people still have that mindset sometimes. How do I make my resume different and eye-catching? Well, actually, what you're trying to do is communicate your experience in the most efficient, clear, effective way possible because that recruiter on the other side is just trying to work out who's the best person for this role. And by having your resume in some crazy format or a different way of doing things, a different way of explaining stuff, those pictures that I see that people do the you know, four out of five dots for their software proficiency and all that kind of thing, it's taking them longer to work out, hold on, what's going on here? You can communicate a lot clearer if you kind of just follow a pretty established method and that's how you're going to communicate your value with your actual experience and what you've done, not necessarily by having yellow paper. Yeah, no, don't, yeah, don't do the yellow paper. <laughs> yeah. Don't do the extra graphics. Yeah. However, I, I would say though, if there's an opportunity to send along a video message or to send a cover letter, a thoughtfully written cover letter, that goes a long way. We've actually hired a bunch of candidates, you know, because again, it's all about creating more dimensions and, you know, an authentic sort of like, you know, you, a full, full view of who you and what it said. And, and like, and we even do a lot of training of this internally, even with our salespeople who are reaching out to clients. Video messages, again, don't have to be perfect. You know, you don't have to sweat too much about it. Just short and simple, like, you know, hey, really, you know, who you are and like, you know, hey, this is why I'm very interested about this job and keep it short. What that does is it shows one extra step. It shows effort. It shows a spark and it gives personality and that can go a long way. So that is one thing that I would, I would recommend. Yeah, that is so true. We had that feature turned on when I was using JobAdder and we basically had it set up, I think, to every single person who applied, they were offered the opportunity to submit a video cover letter. It wasn't mandatory, wasn't required, but it was an option. And they got an email basically saying, hey, if you'd like an opportunity to help yourself stand out, here's another opportunity. So few people took up the opportunity, but the ones that did, I mean, that was the first thing I wanted to open to be like, oh, video, like what did they say? And so I looked at them first and the amount of people who turned down that opportunity just used to baffle me. I get, yeah, it takes a little bit more effort and you don't want to have to be doing that for every single job, but don't think about your background too much. Don't think about, you know, putting on a special outfit, just jump on and record a 60 second hello. And I think it goes a long way. You'd be surprised how few people take up those opportunities. Completely. You know, we, we hire you know, passion, right? Like people who are motivated, right? And so that shows that you're taking that extra step. That goes a huge long way. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Martin. It's been really great to see what goes on behind the scenes and to bust some ATS myths. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Interview Boss. If you like hearing the sound of our voices, hit follow on Apple or Spotify, or better yet, tell someone about this episode or about the show. That's how we hit the charts and we can help even more people in their careers. 
For more advice, inspiration, and a supportive community, check us out on Instagram at interviewboss. We've been your job search besties and helped you in some way. There's a cool way you can support the show. Shout us a virtual coffee. We get a huge kick out of reading all of your success stories. Head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash interview boss and shout us a cuppa. If you keep us caffeinated, we can keep the content coming. <laughs>